We welcome back to the show this week, Mark Dunderdale and Stuart Roberts. How are you doing, Mark? Uh, good to be back. Uh, very well. Good. Stuart, how are you? Yeah, I'm all good, buddy. Thanks. Uh, Apart from the hay stuff, fever. Stuff a bit of hay fever. As you can see, I'm very nasally. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, but... Do you know what? Good. It doesn't sound too bad. And actually, we're recording here at 8, 8.19, and it's bright sunshine outside here. Well, it is in London anyway. Well, sat, well, just outside London. How's the weather where you two both are today? The little weather forecast to start off the show. Uh, in Wakefield, it is cloudy and cool. Okay. Okay. Mark? We're somewhere in between. It's been warm all day, but not particularly summer. Right, now, as we're recording this just a few hours before it's released, I thought I'm going to check in with you on recent events in uh, wrestling. We're not going to touch Jeff Hardy. We just talked about that off air. You know, what is there to say? I've got two questions for you, one of which I've forgotten. So hopefully it will come back to me by the time I get to it. Have you got... Oh, I, I suspect the answer's no. Have you, either of you got any interest at all in Forbidden Door in terms of the AEW pay-per-view coming up? Mark, why don't you go first? Uh, I wouldn't say zero interest, but I haven't got a lot of interest because I have sort of tuned out of AEW for a while now. Mm. Uh, but there are some guys there who, like I've only seen maybe a handful of, of Okada matches in, in my life, Osprey matches in my life and so on. So to see them against guys who I do know and I have been watching... Uh, I think I might tune in for the pay-per-view, but it's not something I'm eagerly anticipating. Oh, so you may... Well, okay, well, if you are, then I think Dan and I are going to do a review the next night. So if you watch it, you're very welcome to join us, depending on your availability on the on the day. So I, yeah, thought, I, you'd be, I thought you'd be a hard no on that, but I'm, I'm interested that you're, you may be being swayed. Um, Stu, how are you feeling? I'm thinking you're probably a hard no on this one. A hard no. Hard, hard no. no. Hard I, like, no. <laughs> I like a man that can make his mind up, so that's fair enough. Do you know what? I feel like this is like... The stuff of my dreams it should be but i don't feel all that pumped for it really and i think that i don't i'm not really feeling the main event at all moxley and tanahashi i really love tanahashi but it's like moxley's done a lot in new japan so it doesn't feel like a super interpromotional match um jay white's a new iwgp champion i suspect we might get a triple threat with him adam page adam cole Pfft, i can give or take that i love i think jay white's fantastic but that match doesn't do a lot for me zach saber genie versus uh, Brian Danielson, it will be really good. But again, I feel like you've got to do Danielson and Okada. I feel like they don't have to throw everything at this particular card. But I don't know what Osprey's going to be doing. I can see some sort of multi-man match with him. So, yeah, I'm not sure. But I think it's um, reflective of where AEW is because AEW just isn't that good anymore. And it hasn't been for a long time. And I think, so you might, you've watched you've watched probably more of it than Stu. And I think, you, you know, you've fallen away because it's just not that good anymore, is it? Yeah, that's how I felt about the product in general but mm. in terms of the intrigue around this pay-per-view when it's two companies against each other you know neither company's going to be like all right you can get a few more wins than we get and there's also the part of it's it's an ongoing working relationship as far as i can tell they're gonna this is the first of what could be a number of interpromotional pay-per-views mm. so they're not going to throw everything at it as a no. one night only uh thing if they're going to come back to it again maybe in a couple of times a year or even once a year? I think probably once a year. The thing that really disappointed me watching um, Dominion yesterday was that the G1 announcement only had one AEW wrestler in it, which was Lance Archer. And again, Lance Archer's worked in New Japan, so it's not like a... You think, like, crikey, you could send Pac or someone that's not doing... Buddy, buddy... Um, what's, what's he in AEW? Ma- Matthews. Murphy, Matthews, Buddy Matthews. Crikey, how good would he be in G1? You just think... Just like, I just want something new. And they've, it's usually uh, 20, they've 28 people. And I'd say at least of the 28, I think probably 
eight are duds, like really duds. You just wouldn't want to watch. So um, though I don't know if you read this online at all, but you know, there's, there's still the restrictions in Japan at the moment in terms of the, the crowd yeah. can't. Well, at the end, Jay White got them to cheer in, in Osaka, which was an incredible moment because you like, you could hear it and you're like, that's cheering. Like They're not supposed to be doing that. Like it's basically against the law there. But he got them to do it at the end, which was very good. My second question was around um, WWE and what are they going to do for the rest of this year now in terms of you've got no Cody, so that's gone. What, what's the, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we, on the, when we last recorded. I think Riddle's challenging Reigns at, on a SmackDown. And, this, and, next Friday, next apparently, Friday, and apparently yeah. Reigns is not going to be on Money in the Bank. So it's SummerSlam Orton and Cash at the Castle is McIntyre. It doesn't seem hugely inspiring, does it? I'd seen, um, I think you tweeted earlier in the week, Steve, and it's right about um, you've got SummerSlam is arguably one of the biggest shows of the year. Saudi Arabia, they always throw big stuff on there. And you've got this castle show right in the middle. So even though it's the UK and it's a stadium and it's the first time in 30 years, I think it's going to be sort of a, a bit of an afterthought, unfortunately, compared to those other two pay-per-views that sandwich it. Yeah, I completely agree. Stu, any thoughts? I think Vince will be phoning Brock at some point. Mm. I mean, the thing is, 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 you know, I suppose a lot of people have thoughts about should Cody have done that match? Shouldn't he have done that match? What, what sort of, uh, um, uh, what, what sort of standard does it set? Do you know what I mean? Um, I mean, it was from a, from a show point, from a show perspective, it was quite an awesome spectacle when he took that jacket off. Like, you, you know, it looked, it looked every bit horrific as what you expect it to be. Mm. Um, so, you know, you, you, uh, you know, and to pull off the match, I mean, you, you have to, I think, give a lot of credit to Rollins as well for getting him through that match as, as well. Um, but, what I, I, I saw a tweet, WWE said he had an operation, he's going to be out for nine months. Um, if if he hadn't have done that match, would he have been still out for nine months or could it have been six months? Could it have been three months? Do, do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't think you'll ever understand, you'll never know, will you, the, the, the actual damage that was done and whether him going into that match has cost him another three months or is the nine months a bit of a ruse and he'll be back at the Rumble and win the Rumble and then go on to Mania, which is still, I think, the, 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 the direction that they'll go in. Um, but you have lost, you know, the the person that probably was most investable in the company at that, that moment in time. And you've lost him for, you know, the rest. Well, you've lost him definitely for the rest of the year. Yeah. Whether he'll make a comeback. So if you think the Rumble's at the end of January. So what we what we now, June, June, July, August, September, October, November, eight months, seven, seven months, isn't it? So it could be that he's back. Um or or is he back, say, you know, for the February pay-per-view if they do an elimination chamber for the other, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But I, I agree with Mark. It's all like left that clash at the castle a little bit up in the air, isn't it? Because you probably would expect Cody to have been around the main event of that. Uh, that I thought maybe number two, it's a number two promoted match on that show with whatever his next feud was going to be. Yeah. I think would have, would, have yeah. been, would have been what, yeah. it, what it yeah. was. I mean, I, um, I still think he, I still think he was down to win Money in the Bank. I think I thought he was a shoo to win Money in the Bank. Yeah, because I think if they've got the Rock, they're not going to go Cody at WrestleMania unless they do. Unless they do unless Cody one night, are, unless somehow the titles are split again. Well, at some point, if they can, if they continue doing two night WrestleManias, they're going to do the champion defense on both nights. So they could do 
Reigns versus Cody night one, and the winner faces The Rock, and and you, you can you can do you can do that in terms of the the promos and stuff between The Rock and uh, Reigns and The Rock and Cody, and, and build it all as a three. Yeah. Um, definitely, they will they will do that at some point because they've they've done that in New Japan twice now for their two night shows. So that yeah. that will become as if the, if the title is singular, that 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 has to be a storyline device at some point. Here's a bit of a curveball. Uh, I don't think they'll do it this year, but I I I do think just all about it, that the two night WrestleManias do lend themselves to some sort of big tournament, don't they? For the, you know, like they had at WrestleMania four or something like that over two nights. I I, I, I think that could work in the future if, if somehow the tiles were vacated because of an injury or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think you could do something. So certainly, it's certainly a four man. If, if you keep it like you know two semis in the first night, it leads into the main event. Just just going very quickly back to Cody. I I can't remember where I read this, but someone someone. Um, maybe Dave Meltzer, I can't remember, but someone said that apparently his injury was so bad that actually there wasn't much more damage they could do to it, like because the, the tear was complete off the pectoral. Oh, okay. uh, but again, that's just one source, so I don't know. And in terms of recovery time, I think John Cena came back in four months, and that's the quickest anyone's ever come back. So um, I can't, maybe someone was six or someone was seven. So it would be right around Rumble time. And the thing is, he could probably work the Rumble in at 28 or something or 30 is surprise do 10 or 15 minutes and then not do anything again until you know maybe wrestlemania potentially or do some house shows and tag tag matches and stuff but yeah i think it's a it's certainly a big a big loss to them with with now what is a part-time world champion again so um yes just getting back to what you said there steve about that they're gonna have to eventually do a sort of champion defending on two nights thing i think the last couple of years have shown that, that they're trying to rightly or wrongly, elevate uh, the other title, whether it's the women's title, to be as important. We know with the lineage and everything, the, the men's title will always have more prestige because of the history. But I don't think it's a given that a, ti- a, a unified world champion has to be on both shows because they've got other main events in hand, whether it's a Ronda Rousey match or whatever. So I, I, I agree with that it'd be, it'd be my preferred way to go with now they've unified the, unified the titles. I don't think it's a given that it definitely will happen that way. I think that I don't think necessarily it will happen next year I, or, you know, every year or whatever. But I think the, if, they, if they get into a situation where they can't, they're selling they have to sell a lot of tickets for these buildings to look decent on television. So I don't know what LA is, 80,000. So you're, you're talking about, Probably trying to sell a hundred thousand tickets over two nights to try and try and get you know get it right. And I can I can see a situation where I don't know. Let's say Ronda's out. I don't. Who knows what happens to Sasha Banks? But Sasha's out. Becky's out. You know, perfect storm. There's nothing they can do on the women's side. There's no one ready. There's no marquee match. I mean, crikey, they got Steve Austin out of retirement this year for a, for a match. So um, I don't know. I, I can. I think they'll have to do it at some point because it'll be the perfect storm where they where they they've sold twenty thousand tickets to the first night and they're like we're stuffed here we need we need something for this first night because people will naturally gravitate to if you're looking at what if you're if you're locally like and you look at the ticket prices that we talked about Clash at the Castle if you're like I want to go to one night you're probably still going to pick the Sunday the the night that sold more though the Japan one's the other way around the, the traditional day for the the Japanese. Um, 
Wrestle Kingdom is the 4th of January and every time they run a two-nighter, the 4th gets more tickets than the 5th, even though you feel like the 5th would be the conclusion. So it's kind of the reverse. But I do feel WrestleMania Sunday should do more, but we should see. But it's interesting. It, it doesn't exactly... It, I mean, I was, I was interested in watching Cody's pay-per-view matches, but it doesn't really make... There's nothing really going on there that I'm, I'm hearing much buzz about that makes me want to watch their TV at all, which is um, which is a shame, really. Anything else to add on that before we get we go uh, back in our time machines? I'd just be interested to see what happens with uh, Gunter. He's Intercontinental Champion now, isn't he? Yeah. So yeah. I'd be quite interested to see where that's... Because he, he seems logically one that you could elevate to face Reigns. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I'd really like to see that. He's really good. Oh, um, yeah, I couldn't bring myself that. to call him that name. I mean, I already called him Walter then straight away. But yeah, uh, yeah but, I mean, I think he's really good. But we, yeah, he's he's one. But is it how many how many pay per views Reigns going to work? Is the thing like? Mm. I mean, you think it would be you think it would be McIntyre against Reigns at Clash at the Castle? But, I think it's completely one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, Gunter European could be possibly. So um, we'll yeah, see. I suppose. Potentially. I'm su- I, mean, I am surprised he's missing two in a row with Hell in the Cell followed by Money in the Bank. Yeah. Even if you go part time, I'd have imagined one out of every two. Not he's not injured, time. is he? Though I've not heard anything. No, no it's just or... his new contract. And unless the riddle thing is a kind of a ruse, and he does end up working against Riddle at um, Money in the Bank, possibly. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Right on with the Universal. I need said United Wrestling Federation. That's not what this company's called. Universal Wrestling Federation um, review from July the nineteenth, nineteen eighty six. So we got a quick recap of Jim Duggan and the One Man Gang from last week's show. I, I must be honest, I don't remember this at all. For like, we talked the last time we were together, we talked about my memory going, and I feel like the last seven days, including the trip to see England away, has not helped my memory. So I'm gonna need a lot of help from you two over the course of this show. And spoiler alert, we're recording the second one straight afterwards. So that is all being done in one session. So we've got um, the recap of Duggan and One Man Gang, and our regular team now on the podium of Jim Ross and Michael Hayes. And Michael talks about the follow-up to Bad Street USA and the new music video, The Boys Are Back in Town, plus a feature on Dark Journey. Hayes asked Ross if he had told Dark Journey to stop calling him yet, and Ross said he hadn't mentioned it uh, in a kind of smarmy sort of way. We'd also have Bill Watts and a mystery partner versus the Freebirds, and Hayes speculated that Watts couldn't find anyone to go with him and that Watts had threatened suspension because he was scared of the boys from Bad Street. I thought this was a bit all over the place here, um, but seemingly there's a few decent things on the show. Uh, Mark, anything to add on this before we get into our first match? I'd, I'd like the visual more than anything else. As the camera went to them, Michael Hayes was already in the middle of flexing his bicep at the camera, and I thought that was nice way to start the show yes indeed Stu anything more on this no I'd, I'd just like to have seen I mean you they made reference didn't they to the one um the one man going hacksaw Jim Dunn I'd like to have seen what the outcome of that was because it just went off air didn't it the last episode so we didn't really see what happened but no uh, and they do that every week now which is really I, I'm starting to uh, there's a few things that I'm starting to get annoyed about which we'll talk about more next week when we can just we have to talk for 51 minutes basically as we're doing a watch along so I'll leave that I'll leave that for there um anything else sorry before we move on no no ready to ready to crack Good stuff. Ken Massey with perhaps the best type of mullet of all. Um, the balding on the front and party on the back up against Sting. Eddie Gilbert took the microphone and asked the camera to zoom in on the most adorable and prettiest face in pro wrestling. He called Sting good, real good, or as a matter of fact, fact he might be too good. 
Sting hit an arm drag and Hayes on commentary so he didn't realise he knew a wrestling move and that thought he thought all he could do was pose. Which I thought it was a bit weird from the heel commentator. Um, and then, but thereafter, it was a bit more positive about him. So yeah, a bit of a strange comment from Hayes here. Um, Ross said that we were seeing lots of new things from Sting, including a drop kick, and he won in 132 with the press slam and splash combo that his former tag partner would use to great effect in his WWF career. Shu, as our resident Sting fan, why don't you go first? What do you think of this effort? Sting versus Massey. Uh, well, I picked up on the mullet, I have to say, so I thought it was mighty impressive. Yes. Uh, um, and that... Um, there's not really a lot that you haven't that you haven't said, but I've just always hated that that splash finish on the back. I, I've just I, I've just always hated it. You know, run off the ropes and splash. It's hardly a finish, is it? Really? Let, let's 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 call a spade a spade. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, there's not really there's not really much you can say in one minute thirty one seconds, is there? Not but, really. Uh, what what thinks better, a splash or a leg drop? Oh, a leg drop. Yeah, leg drop to the throat. I suppose that is probably yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I see. It's just like it's just yeah. It's Especially like, yeah. splash the back seems a little bit odd, and they have to roll them over. To, but that's that's the way it always was, wasn't it? Well, most yeah. of the time it was that way, unless because yeah. Hogan rolled over at WrestleMania six, didn't he? I believe he splashed him on the front. Uh, yeah. No, that's not that's not right. It wasn't a gorilla press into that. It was Hogan missed the leg drop, and then Warrior splashed him. So it was that way round anyway. Um, Mark, over to you. What did you make of this first one? Um, well, my favourite mullet uh, is still Mike Awesome in that he had the flat top. He wasn't bold, he yes. flat top. I think that goes beautifully with a nice mullet. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, Sting um, trying, trying out some new offense, like you mentioned there, the arm drag and a, a very nice vertical suplex. But all that technical stuff ended after he tried that standing drop kick, which landed on Massey's belly button. And um, after that, he went back to the regular stuff in his wheelhouse, the lariat, the body slam, the press slam. And the splash. Um, so yeah, short and sweet. Indeed, as I suspect this uh, television review might be, is we haven't all got got all that many notes between us for this a little bit of a lackluster show. Spoiler alert! There, um, there's a cigarette advert we've seen before, and I simply won't go over it again. And um, then the Libyan versus Chavo Guerrero, the master of the move that I've been getting wrong for weeks. Shame on me. And um, during this, the Libyan didn't hook a leg on a pin attempt, and Hayes remarked that was because Colonel Gaddafi didn't train them right in wrestling in Libya. And I never heard that Gaddafi was a wrestling trainer. Chavo did a huge flip out of the corner and a backward roll and then ended up getting the Libyan with a weird looking kind of front on leg victory roll. But because of the way he ended, like a mount in MMA terms, he had to reach back and grab the leg. So it looked a bit weak. What did you think of this, Mark? Yeah, in my notes, I was struggling how to describe that move uh, like you did there. Um before it, Chavo did that moonsault off the top rope and rolled through it. Um, Michael Hayes called it a monkey flip, which is something completely different. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I called it, he, Chavo won the match with a rolling body cradle, a sort of hurricane run, a reverse victory roll, but hooking yes. his legs around the torso instead of the head, as you would normally. Um, yeah, it was weird. Another fun outing from Chavo, same as last week. I've been enjoying his um, matches. Yeah, it's definitely a highlight on this this show, I would say. Stu? Uh, I described it as a sidekicked reverse cradle. Nice. But the slowest pin ever. Because <laughs> it like, took it forever. It, forever took that leg, didn't it? It was almost like five seconds. Come on, get that oh, leg. The, the slowest so, pin ever was Triple H on Booker T. Oh, crikey. He read the yeah. telegraph and then pinned him, didn't he? That was terrible. Yeah, uh, so... Um, 
So yeah, so I, I like I say, I called it a sidekick reverse cradle, but similar to what Mark said, yeah, good to see Chavo. Uh, um, probably just not long enough, really. Yeah, indeed. Um, I so there was a local promo next. Now I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm probably not going to say too much about these insert promos because they're just they're, there's nothing to them and they're not promoting a show. So it was, I think it was more fun when we we weren't watching the New Jersey version or Philadelphia version. I can't remember which version it is now. New Jersey, I think. Um, and where they're actually pushing a live event, but there was a promo from Victory Tatum and Higher, and again, they, their thing seems to be to talk all over each other. And we get more of this later on. Have you got anything to add either of you on this before we um, before we move on? Nice curtains. Oh, oh, in the background, or did one yeah. of them have a curtain hairstyle? I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I had a curtain curtain hairstyles until fifteen, and I miss those sometimes. Uh, Mark, anything to add on this? Uh, Jack Victory always comes across as the third wheel with Missy and Tatum. Mm. Doing, they do all the talking for one thing, but they're hugging and cuddling each other at the time, and Jack's just up there. <laughs> Absolutely, third wheeling on a day. Um, there used to be a dating show that used to be three people going out. I can't do you ever remember. I think it was on like BBC or Channel Four. Do you remember what that was? I like, yeah, like there would be a bit where you could give give them like a card the other person they'd have to go away for like 10 minutes and like they would usually like get on or not get on or whatever i wonder what that is the deep recesses of my mind um we had a we had a uh we had a super bug away advert i'm not going to talk about that um i'm starting I, to get frustrated I, I, I with the adverts talk, i oh, go on shoot go on shoot because because obviously you put you guys put me to shame with your uh, research <laughs> into advert and I was always, when they were talking about it, aside from the facial expressions, which are, are, are worth the watch themselves, I'd never heard of a silverfish. Okay. And I was quite curious to know what a silverfish was. So I did a bit of research. I'm not going to go into too much details, but um, um, but they can, you tend to find them in, in urban areas, in things like attics uh, and even old books. Uh and if anyone's feeling really interested, they could they could Wikipedia it because it also talks about the reproduction phase of a silverfish, um, and they do a little dance. There you go. Wow! So I, that's only the sort of stuff you get on this podcast. If you want to hear um, Stu give a three-hour talk about various bugs and sign up, the to reproduction and life cycle of a silverfish. Yeah, Patreon's got to be a few. That's a future podcast, definitely. So uh, Patreon.com forward slash Mid South Moments and get signed up for that. Um, right, where are we? When we came back from the break, Jim Ross was sat down with Dark Journey. He congratulated on her on taking care of Lady Maxine. She was no longer in the UWF. And Journey said she was proud of herself for running her off all by herself without any help. Ross then talks about Hyatt's debut, and we got a full recap of this. Uh, back to Dark Journey, she said they'd just seen the footage of Hyatt getting the better of her, but people will see the reverse shortly. And in addition, the Reunion Arena is a battle royal with Hyatt and Journey at ringside, plus Precious, and also maybe Maxine will be there. Um, and they, I, what did I write? I always find that people saying them, oh, I always, crikey, I've written a joke here, which I've ruined, so I'm going I'm to move on because it's not very good anyway. <laughs> As I, was, I couldn't remember what I, what I actually meant by that. Basically, the winner of this battle royal would win the fur coat that Dark Journey was already wearing. And she's very excited about missing Link winning this. So it wasn't a, a battle royal with the valets. It was a battle royal with wrestlers, with valets at ringside. And basically, if missing Link wins, then um, Dark Journey gets to keep her coat. And I was like, if the coat isn't hers, whose is it and why is she wearing it? Um, we then got a recap of the Fantastics versus Tatum and Victory with Journey and Link coming down and making the save and Hyatt and Journey getting into themselves. 
Uh, and then back from this clip, we then had Ross along with Hyatt and John Tatum who were enjoying a snog. Ross asked Hyatt what she thought about the video. She said she couldn't believe that Journey had slapped her in the face. She said there will be a match to do with a mink coat, but she has so many of these and she wouldn't care if it was a Rolls Royce. But basically, if she wins, it means that she's the first lady of wrestling. Now, perhaps a controversial opinion, but I really don't like Missy Hyatt so far. And this battle royal for a fur coat with the managers at ringside just sounds utterly, utterly dire for me. And um, this is quite a long segment. Mark, what did you think on these uh, various bits and pieces we got here? Um, I thought this was a bit of a mess, really. Mm. Um, some of the reasons you've already gone into. Uh, first of all, though, the footage of Missy laying out Dark Journey with the loaded purse. Dark Journey went down like a sack of spudget. That looked really good. Yeah. Um, well, then back to the interview, and I, I struggled to follow what was going on. It looked like Dark Journey was on her way out. She was putting a coat on. And then that started to make sense when JR explained that on that upcoming show, uh, the Battle Royal, the winner gets the mink coat. And Dark Journey was looking forward to winning the coat that she was already wearing. And um, uh, yeah, I didn't really follow all that. And then um, as far as your comment on Missy Hyatt, I would agree that she's she doesn't seem to offer anything at all at this stage. No. I know um, I have seen some of her work as part of the Dangerous Alliance in WCW, which was maybe five, six years later than this. I think she was about 1991, 92. She'd become a very entertaining uh, valet. But I think she was just getting started here. And um, yeah, it's not quite a polished actress yet. No, no. Um, Stu, what did you think of this long segment? Yeah, I, do you know what I was struggling to understand about the battle royal? I, 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 like you said, I was struggling to get my head round what it actually actually was. It wasn't that clear, was it? Um, and stuff like that. Um, I thought, uh, yeah, the thing I picked up on was about the, the the term "the first lady of professional wrestling" because um, you know, obviously, we've heard that with Miss Elizabeth, haven't we? Or the, or the first lady of wrestling, or something like that. So. But then actually, isn't isn't Missy Hyatt's autobiography called The First Lady of Wrestling and stuff like that? So it's who, who actually coined that term? Is it Missy Hyatt cast as the First Lady of Wrestling or is it Miss Elizabeth? It's, I think Mark is about to get it, is it? I think yeah. that's what he's doing, yeah. Um, I, I wonder whether she called herself that before Elizabeth, um, but it just was Elizabeth was, was mainstream, basically, and that was the reason why... Um, yeah. It didn't. She didn't keep it. Basically, I'm going to do a little. Missy Hyatt, the first lady of wrestling. Stuff. So what? What are we saying there? That she, we reckon that she. See, if you Google that, it comes up as Elizabeth. Um, yeah, I think she was self-described first lady of wrestling because, what, like we discussed last week, um, Miss Elizabeth was already a year into her WWF run by 1986. Yes. Yeah, so I wonder when. I wonder when did um did Elizabeth do anything. With Savage before WWE, Do you, I don't WWF? believe so. I don't know a lot about his pre WWF career, but I don't think he was part of the picture because he he worked in his dad's promotion, didn't he? And he was sort of the family thing with him, his dad, and his brother. Yeah, it was the um, Memphis Outlaw thing, wasn't it? I, I, yeah. ICW maybe. So um, yeah. Hire debuted in September September eighty five, um, and Miss Elizabeth worked in international championship wrestling as a TV announcer um, in 83. So I'm sorry, Missy, I'm not having it. Elizabeth, first lady. I mean, there were, were other women in wrestling before this, obviously. So but if we're comparing the two and who came first, I think um, 
our sweet love, Miss Elizabeth, uh, our childhood crush, I'm sure I can speak for all of us. Our sweet love, what a ridiculous sentence, um, is definitely the first lady. Anything else on this shoe before we move on? No. No. Are we going to talk about the adverts? Have you guys got much about these adverts? What do you want to do? Uh, I've got a couple of them. Um, the Charles Barkley one. Um, people a- using massive chunky computers to do some basic word processing in the 1980s will never not be funny to me. I love yes. That. Yeah, um, Charles Barkley popped up basically saying, if you thought basketball was just played on a court, think again. But then he started talking about nothing to do with basketball not being played on a court. And he was talking about going to PTC business school, which I didn't really make, I think made a lot of sense. But And also whatever Charles Barkley was paid for that, I don't think was worth it. Um, we also got John Magazine Ford, and they'll save you money. For just under $11,000, you can buy a Ford custom van with a horrific paint job. And that sounded very expensive for a van in 86. And that's the equivalent of $30,000 for a rank-looking van. Um, <laughs> and then finally, the original Commodores uh, with content in Las Vegas. Now, I thought for a second this was going to be you could basically buy a tip, buy like some sort of travel package to go and see the Commodores in Las Vegas. But how wrong, wrong I was. This was Lionel and the boys at 5 p.m. on WSJT. Um, and there was a weather forecast where I didn't care enough about to type anything on. Um, Stu, any thoughts on these adverts? Actually, I was, I was going to say, one of the Commodores songs, um, Easy, is, is one of my all-time favourite songs, but mm. not recorded by the Commodores because I love the 1993 Faith No More version of Easy. Okay. Definitely, definitely worth a listen to. All right. Sounds good. Maybe I'll start next week's show with that, actually. Uh, Mark, anything to add on this? Uh, a little bit on each of them. Uh, the Joel Magazine of Ford, we've seen an ad, a commercial once before, and I think it was the Escort was the uh, brand new um, model they were selling, but now they've moved on to these creepy vans that, Children might enter believing they're going to see some puppies. Um, the, the Commodores in Las Vegas. Um, yeah, I thought the same as you. Is this an, a commercial for a live event coming up? But um, Lionel Richie left the group in 1982. So this was just a TV showing of a very old concert, I think. Oh, well wow. <laughs> um, they, did, uh, they did stress that it's the original Commodores and he, Lionel was all over the commercials. So... Uh, yeah, I sort of worked that out by the power of deduction. It was an old show they were showing. And then the weather report, um, some strange uh, verbiage used in this one. There was uh, the weather in these areas ranged from hot, warm and pleasant through to showers and thunderstorms. So there was a bit of everything. But I don't know what weather you'd describe as pleasant because they'd already used hot and warm. So I guess pleasant is where maybe you need a thin jacket, but it's not raining. I don't know. Hmm, what would you describe as pleasant? I think that's what I'd go for, you know, put a jacket on, but you're not going to get wet. That's pleasant. Shoe? What, what, what would I deem as pleasant weather? Or, yeah. or uh, I'd say optimal weather for me would be about 26, 27 degrees. Oh, that's nice. warm. Even at nice, home, even here, that, that, that hot. With a nice breeze. Okay. So, hmm. but just coming back to the Commodores, um, they're still touring at the moment as well. Are they with Lionel yeah, or without Lionel? Uh, without well, without Lionel. There's, oh, without Lionel. But they have got an original member from right at the very start, William Wack King, 
who does trumpet, guitar, and all that. He is still one of the founder members and is still currently a member of the band. So wow, well, um, so yeah. well, I would say my uh, pleasant weather would be something where I can wear jeans and a t-shirt and not be too hot at all, but never be too cold. I reckon that's about the nineteen to twenty degree mark is what I'm going for, especially yeah. at home. See, too I'm cold. cold. That's cold for me. I'm, really? I, I could, I'd have to wear a jacket. Go out. I'd go out in a jacket in that you're, weather. You're made of tough northern stuff. You can't be cold in 19 degrees. No way. I don't, I don't find that warm at all. Oh, well, okay. Fair play. Fair play. That's why pleasant is a bad way to describe weather, isn't it? Because everyone's exactly, definition of pleasant is something different. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, Brett Wayne Sawyer and Gary Young versus the Sheep Herders. And Jack Victor was out there with them. Third wheeling again. Uh, an odd role for him, given his new team with John Tatum. Hayes said he didn't think it was fair that the Sheep Herders couldn't wrestle the Fantastics because the matches were too gory for television. And I thought that was um, quite a good sort of promotional um, tool there in terms of getting people, encouraging people to go to the arenas where that match was still very much on the cards. Um, Ross said he wasn't sure whether hitting Luke in the head would work as there wasn't much there. Um, Hayes walked off during this match to get ready for the Freebirds versus Watts and a mystery partner match, saying he was tired of Ross, who, who responded, that doesn't hurt my feelings any. And I could tell by the way Ross said that, that it absolutely did hurt his feelings. Um, Sawyer ate a double gut buster in four minutes and 25 seconds with the sheet cutters getting the win. Thought this was okay. Crowd was into it. Mark, what did you make of this? Yeah, it's like, you know, when someone says, I'm not bothered, and you can really see yes. that they're really bothered. Yeah, yeah it's like that, wasn't it? It really uh, was. the, the, Before that, the commentators talked more about the upcoming Freebirds match than what was going on in, in the ring, I thought, um, mm. until Hayes uh, left the broadcast position. Um, Brett Wayne Sawyer looked pretty good, I thought, and had the crowd behind him quite well as well, but he was the one who took the pin after the double gut buster. And then... Um, just a short story about the sheep herders. I saw them live three times. Uh, the first time was SummerSlam at Wembley. Second time was WrestleMania at Houston. And then they also main evented a show at my local arena up here in Grimsby. They were drafted in at the last minute to replace Yokozuna, who had passed away literally wow. one or two days earlier. Um, and they were in the middle of a tour. And sheep herder Butch got busted open hard way on the ring post. And the totally family audience, uh, middle of the afternoon on a weekend, completely freaked out. I've never got that. So okay. those are my three experiences of uh, seeing the sheep herders live. We might, well, are they still doing shots now? These days too? I think they might be. I don't think Butch is very mobile. He was on. Oh, was he not? The Hall of Fame, wasn't he? Okay. Oh, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, I right, know right, Luke right. does seminars and stuff. He might actually still wrestle. Yeah. Um. Because we've got Flair wrestling in a few weeks, haven't we? Which is pretty horrendous. Um, I don't think they've announced the match to date, have they? But I'm not sure what he's what he's doing. Uh, we'll talk about that next week, anyway. Because maybe, maybe by the seven day, oh, I've already let the cat out of the bag that, that we're doing this all in one go. Um, right, the Fantastic's local promo. Both had plasters on their head. Um, Fulton said it was the best organisation in the world, and if it wasn't for the fans, they wouldn't be able to travel around the world and steal the occasional kiss. Uh, Gordy and Roberts followed. Gordy said he didn't care who Watts had as a partner and they take his baseball bat and wear his butt out with it. And we have officially entered carry on UWF with that line. Um, Roberts must be one of the worst promos in the history of the world. Just shouted some nonsense. Can't stand this guy. Shu, what do you think of this promo? Well, I, I, I pretty much put that. I love Bam Bam's promo work. Thought it were awesome, mm. but it was like it was like day and night. 
compared to Roberts's. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. Just like, I, I didn't even really register what Roberts was saying because it was just a load of noise to me and just shouting very loudly. Um, but I do love I do love Gordy's work. I think it's it's great on the mind. Yeah, so, he, so, yeah. he is good. Uh, uh, Mark, over to you. Yeah, all I wrote for that was Gordy did most of the talking, and that's the only good thing I can say about it. Yes. Uh, back after the break, Frank Dusek was on the podium with Ross. Ross then recapped recent events with Dr. Death and Steve Williams, plus we'd have some special comments we'll be interested in. And this was very much, I thought, kind of an end of taping vibe show with lots of recaps. Uh, we then got Williams in a neck brace talking about having finished therapy. He couldn't really remember what had happened in the match. He thought he was getting the best of them, but then it was lights out. I thought Williams was good when talking here, but his exaggerated moan about how painful his neck was did leave a little bit to be desired. It reminded me of doing GCSE drama age 16. Very, very poor. Um, he said he didn't want the Freebirds to be suspended. He wanted them in great health when he came back. Uh, when they're eating their breakfast or running down, down the highway, they should remember who they hurt. Then, in a huge moment, we got the UWF debut of Bill Watts' daughter, N.A., not sure I pronounced that right, and sons, Micah, and friend of the show, Eric Watts. N.A. said they love their dad and they don't want him to get hurt, but if he knows, if they know, he can handle the situation they are behind him. Micah said Williams was a friend of the family and he got in a three-on-one, he got hurt in a three-on-one situation. And they know when it's one-on-one that Williams could handle it and so could their dad. And Eric said he knew that Bill had the wing clipper as he held onto a baseball bat, and they better watch out. Wow. Mark, thoughts on this segment? Um, well, uh, the Dr. Death thing, he mentioned 29th of June was the date the Freebirds hospitalised him. Uh, that was the same day Argentina beat West Germany to win the World Cup 1986. Ugh. Uh, Bad day all round. Yeah, it was a bit. Um, and Doc mentioned there was the possibility of the Freebirds being suspended before he casually dropped the rarely heard triple negative when he said, I don't want nobody suspending nobody. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, So that was that. And then on to the the Watts promo. Uh, Yeah, I was surprised as you were to see uh, three of the siblings there. And um, yeah, I I like the the overall message, which was uh, their dad could take take out any of the three three birds one-on-one. What? They, were, they didn't think either he or Dr. Death could win in a three-on-one three on one situation. Absolutely. Sure, over to you. Well, just coming back to Mark's point about the World Cup, we should have had nine World Cup matches this weekend because officially the World Cup should have been yeah, this first, weekend. First weekend in June, yeah. I'm absolutely delighted that we're not. Oh. Gen- genuinely, genuinely. I can't take it. I need some time away from the stress. No drinking. I can't. The last six weeks of Fulham football season nearly killed me. I've put on probably about nine pounds of pure tubs I need to get rid of. So, no, I'm very, I'm actually, if the Euros hadn't been last summer, I would have been, I would have been gutted about the World Cup. Yeah. But I'm so pleased we've got a summer of no stress. I'm not even looking at the transfer. I don't care. Just like, just, I don't want to sit. I don't want to, like, no, I can't take it. So I'll worry about that in November. But yeah. So are, you, are you missing it? Do you think then there's no World Cup? Well, football's been so crap for me this season. Yes. Yeah. It's been absolute garbage. So I, I, I was, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry for it because having it halfway through a football season just doesn't, 
really feel right to me but um but but there we go and i was thinking as well you know when we do our uh our transatlantic quiz on an annual basis i think we need to try and tie that in around the england versus usa world cup game as well so yeah yeah that that's um yes yeah we will do that and i think that what i'll we'll do is we may try and do um between the the two of us and dan as well um or the three of us i should say um we'll maybe try and do weekly tapings during that time so we can talk about the world cup at the same time we don't obviously all have to do on every every show but i would quite like to do that because i enjoyed doing that with the euros so um yeah watch this space on that watch this space space. but anyway coming back um to 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 the thing yeah i uh i really i I put uh about the exaggerating the neck injury and and (laughs) which would make me chuckle really um and uh yeah I, i haven't really got much to say about the family promo bit cringy for me (laughs) <laughs> uh, Coco Ware versus Rick Steiner next and Coco got a great reaction as Ross talks about him coming home to the Mid-South Coliseum so again UWF going into tr- traditional strongholds of other promotions and we'd heard them promoting shows at Reunion Arena which was typically the home of the big shows of world class and Ross talked about a Friday night show at Mid-South Coliseum for UWF but all I could find was the one that occurred on a Friday actually a few weeks before this aired on June the 6th 1986 um, to, so, so, yeah, so I don't know whether cage match is a bit murky or what um, but the next time that Coco was in what I believe is at the Mid-South Coliseum was for the WWF later that year so obviously they were running a you know, Memphis stronghold by that point as well um, Frank was very pleased with himself the gag about Michael Hayes crying so much that his tea kettle probably cries rather than whistles really poor and I felt sorry for Jim Ross having to give him a sympathy chuckle um, Steiner was absolutely jacked here. So clearly some top quality protein shakes going around the UWF locker room in 1986. Um, I, I thought there was a fantastic high-speed exchange, which ended with a very intense cross-body block and near fall with Coco landing on Steiner. Um, they pushed the non-profit event, and Jim said, please get an adult to call, and only call between 9 and 5, Monday to Friday, please, as if people have been phoning him. So I suspect he was on this line and waking up at all hours and you don't want to jump a, a grumpy Jim Ross. Um, this match had an absolutely unbelievable finish, uh, which legitimately made me sort of get out of my, or sort of get out of my seat. I didn't jump up. I'm 40 after all. Um, Steiner went for a power slam, which Coco somehow reversed into a cradle for a three count in three minutes and 42 seconds. I thought this was great. Um, Stu, what did you make of this match and this finish? Love this match. Mm. Loved it. Yeah, it's probably been one of the, you know, and all the all the uh, TV shows that I've done with you guys. Probably one of the, my, my favourite matches. I just loved it. It was just high energy. Uh, I loved like the crisscross in the ring into like the uh, the power slam. I mean, the power slam was used a lot, wasn't yeah. it? Um, uh, particularly from Steiner. Vicious. I, I vicious. I'd written vicious power slams by Steiner. Um, I. It almost looked like when he reversed me to credit. Almost looked like. His ankles went from underneath his body, if you know what I mean, when he whipped him over and that it looked, uh, oh God, that looked a bit painful. But uh, yeah, hugely impressive. The only thing I was just picking up was, um, and I can't remember which way round it was now, whether it was on the videographic, he was referred to as Coco Beware or he was referred to as Coco Ware. But then in the commentary, they're referring to as Coco Beware. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like, yeah, yeah. Where did the B come into play? I don't know. know. I've written Coco Ware down, but I think they they were doing a bit, bit, bit of like it was like Sting earlier in in the show. They called him Blade Runner Sting, but his graphic was just Sting at that point because he was Blade Runner something else originally. I can't remember what his name was now. Um, But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Anything else on this one, Shu? But a huge, hugely, hugely impressive match. Um, Um. 
just selfishly would have liked perhaps another minute of it really to be yeah, honest because uh, there wasn't there's not there wasn't a, there wasn't a, you probably as we've gone through it not not a massive amount of great wrestling in this program so uh, no. it, was, it was good that we had we had one moment of quality shall we say so definitely mark what do you think of this yeah i echo a lot of what you two said there i really enjoyed the match it was very good um it was easy to miss out insane Rick Steiner's physique was when he was in WCW and WWE because he used to wear the, the colourful singlets. He wore the eye-catching amateur wrestling headgear and he was usually stood right next to one of the most incredible physiques of all time, his brother Scott. But here, wrestling in just plain back black trunks and boots, you could see just how insane that his physique was. Um, however, he uh, managed to attain it. Um, that high spinning power slam uh, was when the match really got started. When Coco hit that, that looked great. And um, yeah, Steiner was famous for his big takedowns, his throws, his suplexes. But during this match, he hit two very high leapfrogs in a row where Coco didn't even need to duck to run underneath. It was amazing athleticism there. And then the finish was uh, fantastic, uh, rolling through a big power slam to hit the lateral pin. And the crowd were very loud too uh, throughout, but especially at that finish, which was excellent. Yes, indeed. Uh, new advert next with a guy sitting in a radio station talking about, I can't stop loving you from Ray Charles moving up to number one. But it hadn't. It was just spoof. He caught everyone out. Basically, he was just trying to bring back some nice memories so they could flog you some records. There was loads of best stars, best of Chuck Berry, Ray Charles. And here's one even your mother will love, a collection of hits from the Everly Brothers. Little Richard was in there as well, plus 20 greatest hits from Jerry Lee Lewis, 116 of the greatest hits of all time, three cassettes from 1998, all six for 35 something. And I just didn't care enough at this point to go back and find out. All sales final allow three to four weeks for delivery. Mark? Um, 116 hits. So they all got 20, except the Everly Brothers only got 16. I don't mm. know why that is. Uh, the other four shit. Um, there's a few wrestling t- <laughs> a few re- <laughs> a few wrestling t- amongst these lads um, Ray Charles and Little Richard both sung America the Beautiful at Wrestlemania Ray Charles yes, at Wrestlemania yep. 2 Little Richard at Wrestlemania 10 uh, Ric Flair has said on, on the record that he stole his woo from uh, Jerry Lee Lewis which you can hear on his hit song Great Balls of Fire uh, Jerry Lee appeared at ringside at SmackDown on an episode of SmackDown in 2001. I think he's a wrestling fan. And obviously the he's the inspiration for the name of a pay-per-view, Great Balls of Fire, in 2017, which was a one-off. Uh, that was Samoa Joe's one and only WWE singles pay-per-view main event. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, three for 1998. At first, the way they were saying 116 hits by these guys, I thought you were getting them all, but no, you can pay 20 quid and get some of them. <laughs> yes. Who wants that level of hits? I certainly don't. Um, Shu, any thoughts on this uh, advert? Uh, nothing nothing more than, than what, what, what Mark said, really, but it reminded me a little bit... Uh, you guys might remember this. Do you remember the Britannia Music Club? Where yes, you, I was a member of it. When you joined yeah. it, you got like five cassettes for the price of one, but then yeah. you had to commit to buying six more albums in the year a ridiculously inflated price they were more expensive than h&b weren't they yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so that reminded me of that um the, the only thing i remember about fats domino is i don't know if you guys uh have seen the films or remember the films with clint eastwood in uh and clyde the orangutan every which way but loose and any which way you can oh no 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 
uh, late 70s. Uh, one was 78 and one was in 1980. But Fats Domino uh, was starred in that film singing Blueberry Hill. Okay, interesting. So, so great but, facts. That's even better than the facts about that bug earlier on. Actually, sure, that, so, that was fantastic stuff. But they're they're two of my all time favorite films, and they are definitely definitely worth uh, worth a watch. So uh, so yeah, I suspect for film fans, if you if you listen to next week's show, I, I think it might be one of the, the the least talked about UWF episodes of all time. So that's something for you to look forward to. Because I suspect we're going to be on tangents for about ninety nine percent of that. Um, and now a new video, the first single from the album the Freebirds are releasing called Rebel Rock. It's the boys are back in town. But instead, we got a is it, what have you got there, uh, Mark? That's is that DVDs of Every Which Way But Loose? Ah, very nice. A two oh, film collection, fantastic. Um, so instead of getting this video, we got a Diamel advert, then a weird advert for the Holiday Inn, and I, the adverts are starting to lose their specialness now but, but perhaps I was just in a bad mood after a very tiring week so I'm not sure um, there was also a ghastly looking lazy boy style chair from Contour in here and a guy looks like he's having a nice time and then back to the show we've got Bill Watts coming out to ball in the USA so I don't know what happened to this video and I wondered if the person who was recording this disliked the Freebirds so much that he just cut the recording off because he didn't want, didn't want to now in my original sort of WhatsApp message to you guys I was going to say why don't we watch this all in on air but then I realised it was nearly five minutes so what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to play a little bit and we can see how much of this we can tolerate um, because I don't think it's going to be very good. So you should be able to now see my screen. And here we go. Can you hear that, gentlemen? Yeah. I mean, he's not a great singer, is he? Yes, he's okay. What do you think he's singing? Yeah, I don't think that was too bad. Yeah. We've got a few shots of them in the ring. <laughs> Do you know what, actually? His facials are quite good in this. Got Bill Watts passed out there. That's good. I think that was a bit ropey there, she wasn't it, that note? Yeah, he didn't quite get that note right. <laughs> I mean, the I feel like 27 year old person. I feel like if he did this in karaoke, you'd be quite impressed bit, with this, wouldn't you? I think. Bit, bit of kiss there, sticking his tongue out. Yeah, it just got slapped by Dark Jenny. Have we all had enough? Shall I, tell you what, shall I skip forward a little bit and see whether it gets any better? I mean, nope. basically, it's just it's just him singing with some wrestling clips. So it's not it's not really what I expected it to be. So. Let's get I was hoping it'd be like Gordy on drums and Roberts on keyboard. Yeah, like yeah. It was, I mean, it's okay singing, but it's nothing. It's not like, it's, this is certainly not a Joel Watts creation at all. So, yeah, I think they probably made the right decision cutting this out. Um, then, basically, as we said, Watts came down to the ring. Um, he was joined by none other than TV champion Terry Taylor. The Freebirds came out to their cover boys back in town. Um, there was lots of, you know, messing around here. Basically, they didn't want to get in there. Um Ross told, uh, basically, um, Michael Hayes said he didn't want to get in there with, when uh, Watts had the baseball bat. And Ross said, don't worry about it, which is quite funny. Uh, Watts invited Hayes to come on down. Uh, Gordy continued wanted to go in there, but was held back by Hayes. Uh, Watts called his bat Bad Street and said it was the wing clipper. 
Watson, everyone could see that they had no guts and he doesn't care where it happens. And then Bill headed outside with Taylor in tow. Um, Watts headed up the stage and the free birds scarper towards the ring. Um, not sure why, but a few babyfaces such as um, Young, Coco and even Duggan then came out and held back Watts. And again, we got the show going off the air with the crowd reacting big to something was happening in the ring. And the bell went and we got a little bit of a brawl before that was it. And I know this has become a trope of theirs in recent times, but I just think this is frustrating. Like you promoted this all the way through the show. And I get I get that this is about getting people to the arena. But if if you keep saying we're going to have this, we're going to have this, we're going to have this, and you don't give it to people, I can imagine people get frustrated. Um, Stu, what do you think of this ending? And what do you think about this episode as a whole? I just thought it was... I, I, I just thought it was a mess, if I'm being really honest with you. So... Um, Probably went on about three, four minutes too long. Um, yeah. In in that respect, um, and then it just 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 descended into just a mass brawl in the ring, didn't it? Really. So, I mean, the crowd were whipped up in it. You know, I suppose the 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 um, they're all in a bit of a frenzy about it. Ross added to the commentary a little bit, um, but it was just it was just messy. Um, overall thoughts on the episode? Not great. Um, Adverts got on my got on my nerves a little bit. Um, although although the uh, the ten dollar ring did catch my eye uh, quite a lot, and when mm. I googled what Diomel's was, basically it's uh, it's cubic zakerna. So that's like a, a trip to Elizabeth Duke when you're 16 years old in August <laughs> to buy your then girlfriend uh, a ring. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, four out of ten. Yeah, okay. I I, I see. The only real highlight was obviously Steiner and and, and Coco Beware. I really. Uh, Really enjoyed that match, which had it not been for that match, we could have been even rocking down to about two, I think, out of ten. So, uh, so yeah, not great. I don't think that's um, that's unfair, really. Mark, what did you think of this this show-closing angle, really, I suppose it was, and the show as a whole? Um, well, um, when Watson Taylor walked out to Born in the USA, um, that's a great song, but I would have started playing it a minute or so in so you could hear the chorus, because as it was, we started at the beginning... And it's ended just as uh, Springsteen said, "Born in the," and then it switched off. <laughs> um, yeah, the they were talking about the Freebird song new single, "The Boys Are Back in Town." At the back of my mind, I was thinking, "Oh, I wonder if they've done a song that happens to have the same name as the Thin Lizzy classic." But no, it's just Michael Hayes singing a cover version. Uh, I will say that was one of the easiest ones to learn on uh, Guitar Hero back in the day, <gasps> and. Um, uh, yeah, Michael Hayes said they're not going to the ring while Watts is carrying that baseball bat. And I like the way Terry Gordy still had to be held back. He he did want to go and, and try his luck anyway. Um, so that, that that was it. And then it got into the big brawl and they went off the air. Like, I'm, I'm as frustrated as you are, Steve, with uh, you can do it once in a while. It adds to the excitement, but you do it every week and the excitement's all gone because you know, you know what's coming. Um, overall, though, there was some decent in-ring action specifically with those really cool spots at the end of Chavo's match and the Coco Beware match. Um, the show overall was maybe a step down from last week because the big angles weren't furthered any. Uh, we're still waiting for the free birds to get their comeuppance, but you know we know by now, like you said, Steve, the payoffs to these big angles in 1986 came on the live events, not on the TV show. So uh, yeah. it, it was what it was. And, and yeah, I'd wrote down um, four out of ten. So I feel like the... Um... 
the the Irish Millennial Boys Club shows had had kind of lost their kind of luster. Um, but I feel like they were certainly more angle heavy than this stuff. And I feel like this now is like it was it was new at the start of the year in the arena and stuff. But I think the promotion's a little bit directionless now. Um, anyway, we'll be back next week with a special watch along episode of uh, Mid South Moments. Until then, thank you very much for listening, and we shall speak to you all again very very soon. Hello, everybody. I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. And if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's Number One Mid-South Wrestling Podcast, check it out, all the products. That's on redbubble.com, people, Mid-South Moments. They have everything from T-shirts, phone cases, mugs. Remember now, redbubble.com, people, Mid-South Moments. Thanks very much, Ricky. And that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash mid south moments.